0: And I can't make that decision on the energy and climate because it takes the taxes to pay for the investment in the clean technology that I'm in favor of. Oh, yeah. Sure you are, Joe. Sick of his lies. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it I'm isn't. so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Here I am From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast, As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains KKRM And Eureka's KGOE Up in Oregon on the Central Coast On KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO Eugene's KEPW in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites, amongst other fine affiliate stations blanketing planet earth 5 days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker all around. Swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the broadcast. In truth, I you know, I really do not relish these I told you so moments. I know. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Yep. Hi Desi. Hi. That's Desi Doyen. She's our producer. Yes. We're glad she's here. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't relish these moments, but I got to tell you, this is one of those moments ever since Joe Manchin blocked Joe Biden's massively progressive build back better bill last year, which would have expanded health care access, uh, child care tax credits, elder care, education, lowered prescription drug prices, taxed the wealthy to pay their fair share and unleashed landmark uh, climate initiatives to take on the deadly climate crisis in earnest for the first time by the federal government by moving us toward the goal of reaching net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And even before Joe Manchin blocked uh, that bill, I have been saying there was no way that the corrupt Democratic senator from West Virginia, whose family makes millions from the deadly, dirty fossil fuel industry, as does his campaign. I've been saying there is no way that Joe Manchin was going to allow any bill that included initiatives to move the nation away from fossil fuel and towards renewable energy. But Democrats and the corporate mainstream media kept sort of going along with this fiction that while Joe Manchin uh, just wouldn't allow most of those other progressive initiatives to pass in the landmark $2 trillion Build Back Better bill that could have passed under Senate reconciliation rules requiring a simple majority vote, no Republicans would be needed in order to avoid a filibuster under this rule, uh, that he was, he claimed the mainstream media and the Democrats all claim that, oh, Joe Manchin, he won't pass that big bill, but he is interested still in a trimmed down version, maybe a $1 trillion version, getting rid of much of the original bill's initiatives, but. You know, still lowering health care prices, raising taxes on the wealthy. He was definitely in favor of that. And, of course, he was definitely in favor of these new green environmental initiatives. He's very concerned about the environment. Why do they keep repeating that nonsense? I've been saying the whole time, there is no way that Manchin was ever going to allow that. Not the climate initiatives, even as he kept saying he was, he was so interested in them. And the corporate media kept reporting that fiction as if Joe Manchin was not completely lying about it at all. A guy who makes millions and millions of dollars from the coal industry alone. Well, now, as I said, I don't relish it, but yeah, I told you so. From Washington Post... Last night, Senator Joe Manchin told Democratic leaders on Thursday he would not support an economic package this month that contains new spending on climate change or new tax increases targeting wealthy individuals and corporations, marking a massive setback for party lawmakers who had hoped to advance a central element of their agenda before the midterm elections this fall. Well, who could have predicted it? Of course, this comes after months of, you know, uh, quiet negotiations that uh, supposedly he was sitting down with Chuck Schumer. The two of them were hashing all of this out. They didn't want to bring a lot of attention to it uh, until it was, you know, they had crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. But uh, Joe Manchin was certainly going to bring forward a trimmed down uh, bill that would include these environmental uh, initiatives. The major shift in negotiations, according to the Post, and confirmed by two people familiar with the matter, threatened to upend the delicate process to adopt the party's signature economic package seven months after Manchin scuttled the original bill, which President Biden uh, had endorsed, along with uh, passage by all the Democrats in the U.S. House and uh, with the support of well, pretty much every Democrat in the U.S. Senate, except for Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Manchin told Democratic leaders he's open to provisions that aim to lower prescription drug costs for seniors, however.
1: Sure he is.
0: Well, that's what he says. So uh, let's take him for some reason at his word. Sure. This huge landmark progressive bill comes down to one bill about drug prices. And the West Virginia moderate, as the Washington Post called him, he's not moderate, he's corrupt. He expressed support with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, the party's chief negotiator, for extending subsidies that could help health insurance costs uh, come down for millions of Americans, according to one source, we will see. That is not nothing, of course, but it is not Build Back Better. It is not even Build Back Mansion, as some have described this trimmed down reconciliation package that still may never pass at all, thanks to one Democratic senator, maybe two, and all 50 Republicans who oppose all of it. By Friday morning, of course, Manchin was already restarting the same fiction. He does this all the time. On Friday morning, he was on West Virginia local radio saying, well, he could support uh, climate spending and tax increases, but only if economic indicators next month improve. Sure you can, Joe, but you won't. You never will. You will never support anything that would harm your pocketbook and your family's millions of dollars, million-dollar coal business that they own. End of story. And I don't know why the hell people continue to buy his BS. It is just one more reason that voters must increase the Democratic majority by at least two senators this fall if you want to see anything positive done. And that's going to be really hard, by the way, uh, to increase the uh, uh, Senate majority. Uh, and thanks, hold the House. And hold the House, thanks to the damage and destruction that who? Joe Manchin has done to the Democratic president's landmark progressive agenda. And make no mistake, that's what Build Back Better ultimately was. And it was blocked by corrupt Democrats, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and 50, all 50 Republicans in the U.S. Senate. And by the way... It, it it happened even though the administration had uh, this uh, this trim down bill that he has now scuttled uh, that came about because the administration had sort of tepidly agreed to maybe break its own climate pledges in order to win over mansion. They were considering the expansion of drilling. For oil and gas on public lands In Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico And perhaps even allowing a new fossil fuel pipeline From West Virginia to Virginia All in hopes of winning over Manchin And, you know, their hope, which some environmentalists opposed, others recognized it as a necessary compromise for a greater good, was that giving Manchin some of this stuff would be in exchange for things like renewable energy tax credits that in the long run overall would decrease emissions, even with those other projects, even at a cost, uh, the cost of angering some of his of Joe Biden's environmental base. But Joe Manchin is a corrupt liar. He ha- always has been, and he continues to undermine not just the possibility of restoring sanity and wildly popular progressive programs that the vast majority of Americans have been crying out for for years, but, you know, also blocking the possibility of an actually livable world on planet Earth so that he and his family can continue to rake in millions of dollars at an unspeakable price to America and humanity itself. Other than that, welcome to the broadcast. This is another <laughs> delightful day in these United States, and Desi Doyen will have more related news in our Green News Report a little bit later. Yes. But here's one more. Before we get there, look... Hey, as Reuters reports, after exceeding five dollars a gallon for the first time in history, U.S. gasoline prices are finally falling, giving relief to consumers in the world's largest user. Uh, in, in the world's largest user of the fuel, that would be the U.S. The average retail price for gas nationwide is still about four dollars and sixty-three cents, but that is down from a record of five over five dollars a month ago. Since Joe Biden was somehow blamed for that, I'm sure that he will now receive credit for the falling <laughs> price of gas right now. Right. Stop that. Des, are you OK? Stop all that laughing. Somebody get her. a
1: <sighs> Yeah, that was funny.
0: Across the U.S., 46 states and the District of Columbia have seen declines in prices. The Midwest has seen some of the sharpest drops, with prices down over the last month in Indiana by 52 cents, in Ohio by 51 cents. So I'm sure Democrats are going to do well in both of those states this November. They will reward Joe Biden, right? Prices are on a trajectory to keep falling, at least for the next few weeks, says Reuters. Global fuel demand has been declining because of the high prices in the strong U.S. dollar. Well, that sounds terrible also. Impeach. Uh, The uh, strong U.S. dollar, of course, makes oil more expensive elsewhere, but not here. U.S. gas prices have followed a drop in the futures market for both crude oil and gas. Gasoline. U.S. demand for gasoline, jet fuel and diesel is down more than 10 percent compared to 2019 before the pandemic began. That, according to the Energy Information Administration, gasoline stations have responded finally by lowering prices, even though it only took them a month or so. Because, as Desi Doyen has noted uh, numerous times, I believe, when futures prices go up, gas prices at the pump go up immediately, but when they come down, well...
1: It takes weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, big
0: oil will get around to it eventually. Someday. Uh, But, you know, even while they're continuing to rake in record profits, not revenue right now, but record profits.
1: Pure profits.
0: That happens thanks to... Profiteering In this case, war profiteering, as Russia's war on Ukraine has spiked those uh, global prices on the futures market, but not nearly as much as the fossil fuel industries have raised their retail prices on consumers. Yes, you suckers. And while there is not uh, much a president can actually do about any of that, even though he's been releasing an unprecedented number, Joe Biden has, of number of barrels, millions of barrels of oil from the strategic reserves to help lower prices... By easing any supply crunch a little bit, it may take, it actually will take an act of Congress to prevent war profiteering and price gouging by big oil. On that front, you may recall a month or so ago, every single Republican in Congress voted against a bill to prevent Americans from being screwed at the pump by war profiteering, price gouging fossil fuel companies and Well, voters may remain disinformed enough about that to actually reward Republicans for actually screwing them over this November, though, uh, you know, not 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 if there's anything that we can do about it here. We try, for example, through the radical act of reporting actual news and verifiable facts on all of this. Aren't we renegades? But, yeah, more on uh, more on that in, in the GNR coming up a little bit later. Yeah. But first there's this from Future Tense this week. Once again, Texas's ability to keep electricity flowing to its nearly 30 million residents is in doubt. Searing heat waves and the heightened energy uh, use that they are spurring are stressing the state's largely unreg- unregulated energy grid. To a nearly calamitous degree, on Sunday, the ironically named, and it is uh, the ironically named Electric Reliability Council (laughs) of Texas, or ERCOT, uh, which oversees the state's power capacity, on Sunday they asked Texans to voluntarily pretty please cut back on their electricity use during peak demand hours. Wait a minute, didn't Republicans used to tell us we can't conserve our way out of these uh, issues? Why, yes, they did. I hate remembering things. Anyway, uh, that, as temperatures in some areas across Desi's old home state rose to 110 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: And it's not just that they rose to 110 degrees Fahrenheit. It is that they have been over 100 degrees, 105 degrees or so for days and days in a row. And that is new.
0: Yeah, a record number of days in a row. Many Texans, however, are still scarred by the winter of 2021. Remember that? Remember those blackouts that occurred, cutting off power to millions and leading to hundreds of deaths amid, these, amid record cold at the time, thanks to the privately run grid and the fossil fuel power plants that weren't weatherized to be able to run during cold snaps, you know, when you need them, because, you know, that would cost the fossil fuel industry money. To help keep people alive and stuff. Hate to do that. The uh, same day that ERCOT announced its latest request to pretty please cut back a little due to the record heat with reassurances that mass outages would not reoccur. Well, thousands of Travis County residents, that's uh, Austin, the state's capital, Lost power. One Texan told Fox Business, quote, we've seen the grid go down before for heat as well as cold. And as it's warmer now, I don't see it getting any better. Well, that Texan is right. What are you going to do about it this November? Nothing? Continue to elect the same idiots you have been electing now for decades who have done this to you? On Wednesday night, Texas resident Dr. Emily Porter tweeted out, quote, it's 95 degrees out at 10 p.m. We have been without power for over two hours in case you're wondering what kind of a crap show Governor Greg Abbott is running these days. She said, tried to call my mom to see if she had any power. She's 25 miles away in Austin, but Verizon also had no service. I did not try 911, but, I guess, but I'm guessing it also didn't work. This is what happens, she writes, in the 10th largest metro in the country that is known for tech. She said, my husband left the garage door open for me as I was gone when power was out. She was... Worried that they would get another family of raccoons in the garage in the meantime and said, y'all, we pay 2.2% property taxes. Our electric bill was $336 last month. Well, it's certainly not unreasonable to ask citizen, citizens to forego certain activities for the public good, some wondered whether life-or-death decisions involving electricity reliability should fall on Texans every single time there is a weather threat, no matter what kind, heat or cold. U.S. Congress, uh, Congressman Eddie Bernice Johnson called it outrageous and excusable. The Texans were being told their power supply could handle neither extreme cold nor extreme heat. Beto O'Rourke, who was challenging Governor Greg Abbott this November, tweeted, quote, We can't rely on the grid when it's hot. We can't rely on the grid when it's cold. We can't rely on Greg Abbott. For his part, the Texas governor publicly praised his administration's electricity operations, stating that, quote, the Texas electric grid is the most reliable and resilient it's ever been. Well...
1: That's a pretty low bar.
0: (laughs) Early last year, uh, the Texas legislature took up Abbott's call for ERCOT reform after that long cold snap that killed hundreds in Texas. And after signing some bills, Abbott claimed that, uh, quote, they fixed all... Of the flaws with the grid and that, quote, everything that needed to be done was done to fix the power grid in Texas.
1: And it turns out, not so much.
0: Not so much. Last November, he informed a local TV station that he could already, quote, guarantee the lights will stay on. But by February, Abbott was doubling back, uh, stating, quote, no one can guarantee that there won't be another series of power outages. As of this week, uh, I, for now anyway, uh, the worst appears to have been averted this week, but blistering heat will keep warming Texas all summer long, likely leading to more records in power demand plus additional climate-linked disasters like wildfires as electric power in Texas is getting more expensive. Meanwhile, further solutions like improved home insulation, out-of-state electricity backup, oh, there's an idea, governmental accountability from gas and electric providers, and manufacturing of more energy-efficient home appliances. Well, that none of that stuff is anywhere in sight. So will Greg Abbott be blamed for actual failures that he actually is responsible for, as Joe Biden is blamed for failures that he is not responsible for? Will voters continue to punish Democrats for failures to take action on our climate crisis that is stressing out Texas's grid, even though it's all Republicans and one very corrupt fossil fuel sponsored Democrat from a coal state who is actually undermining the entire Democratic agenda to do something about all of this? Will Texas's Republican majority voters elect Democrat Beto O'Rourke this November instead of re-electing Greg Abbott for a third term since O'Rourke promises to actually reform the Lone Star State power grid? Well, for now, uh, O'Rourke is down against Abbott by about six points in the polling. And while he is narrowing the gap, it's still going to be a tough climb because, well, you know, Texas and I'm guessing that voters there are lied to day and night about all of this. So we will see. Anyway, more related news uh, on all of this, I'm told, in Desi Doyen's <laughs> Green News report a little bit later. I, yes. I hear it's going to be, by the way, nothing but good news today in that report.
1: <laughs> we shouldn't make any promises.
0: That's the word on the street anyway, Des. I don't know. <laughs> what else do we have here? Oh, yes. The uh, Secret Service. Man, this is just... uh, uh, On Thursday night, we learned the Secret Service reportedly deleted text messages from January 5 and January 6, 2021. Nothing big going on on those two days, as far as I know. Uh, This after oversight officials had requested the agency's electronic communications A letter, this according to a letter that was sent to the January 6th Select Committee in the U.S. House, the Intercept first reported on this news. The uh, Washington Post says the Secret Service, I'm sorry, talking about memo, says the Secret Service uh, maintains that the messages were deleted from the system as part of a device replacement program. But the letter issued by the Department of Homeland Security's Office of Inspector General reportedly said that the erasure of the message occurred shortly after oversight officials there had requested the agency's records. The letter reportedly does not indicate whether DHS watch, the DHS watchdog believes the text messages were deleted intentionally or whether there was a nefarious motive behind the move that, according to CNN, The development comes as the January 6th Select Committee continues to hold its public hearings that outline its argument that the Capitol insurrection was a multi-step concerted effort to subvert the 2020 election results, and it was carried out by former President Donald Trump and his allies. The Secret Service, meanwhile, has emerged as a focus during the January 6th public hearings. Greg Jacob Former counsel to Vice President Mike Pence uh, referenced the Secret Service when he testified to the committee last month about the then-Vice President Mike Pence's refusal to leave the Capitol as the insurrection unfolded. Jacob testified that when the Secret Service directed Pence and his top aides to get into the waiting cars amid the attack on the Capitol... Pence would not do so. He made clear he did not want to be whisked away from the Capitol. He did not trust the fact that if he got into the car, he would not be driven away, despite his instructions otherwise. So he refused to get into that car. So what did those uh, erased text messages to and from Secret Service members say on January 5 and January 6 about Mike Pence and that car. Was there instructions to uh, to them from, I don't know, maybe Donald Trump or his people to get Pence into that car so they could pull off the scheme they were hoping to pull off? Also late last month, Cassidy Hutchinson. You'll recall the former aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows testified that she recalled Donald Trump demanding the Secret Service get rid of metal detectors at the Stop the Steel rally on the ellipse that occurred on January 6th, just hours before the insurrection, so that his armed supporters could move closer to the stage to make the crowd look bigger on television, claiming that the armed insurrectionists were not there to harm him. Any evidence to support what went on there between the secret service uh, was in was that what we lost in those erased texts from January five and January six Hutchinson at the same time also testified about a story that she was told right after it allegedly happened that Donald Trump tried to grab the wheel of the presidential limo, and then he grabbed the neck of the head of his Secret Service detail uh, after his remarks on the ellipse while he was trying to demand that they drive him to the Capitol instead of back to the White House. This remarkable, harrowing story that Cassidy Hutchinson uh, gave at her testimony, as she said was told to her, with the head of the Secret Service detail in the room when she was told this story, that was, after she told it, it was then denied by one anonymous source who has never come forward, never come on record, but that denial from that anonymous source was reported by every corporate media outlet at the time. We didn't report it because it was anonymous. There was no way to back it up. There was no way to verify it in any way, shape, or form. But it was used to undermine Hutchinson's credibility at the time for not just that story, but all of the bombshells that she testified to under oath as seen in that public hearing. As CNN reports. Neither of the agents named in the testimony have commented publicly on Hutchinson's testimony. But soon after, it, supposedly a Secret Service official who would only speak on background said that Bobby Engel, he was the head of Trump's detail that day and the guy whose neck was allegedly grabbed, that Bobby Engel would deny at least parts of the story regarding Trump grabbing at the steering wheel and lunging toward uh, uh, the agent on his on his detail. The agency has said the agents involved would testify to that effect, but they have not yet gone back to the committee to testify for some reason.
1: Strange, isn't it? Hmm.
0: Nonetheless, that anonymous uh, on background denial that was not given under oath uh, was used to attack Hutchinson, to call her a liar, to call her a crazy person, even though she literally stuck her neck out under oath on television in front of everyone. Of course, potential texts concerning that very incident are now apparently erased as well, unless the inspector general can have them somehow reconstructed. But uh, guess what? As uh, CNN reported late last night, a Washington, D.C. police officer has corroborated to the House Select Committee investigating January 6 details regarding the heated exchange Uh, between uh, that former President Donald Trump had with his Secret Service detail when he was told he could not go to the U.S. Capitol. The officer with the Metropolitan Police Department was in the motorcade with the Secret Service for uh, for Trump on January 6th and recounted what was seen to committee investigators, presumably under oath, but definitely not anonymously, according to CNN. They have also previously reported that two Secret Service sources have said they heard about Trump angrily demanding to go to the Capitol, berating his detail when he didn't get his way. The sources told CNN that stories circulated about the incident in the months after January 6, including details that are very similar to what Hutchinson described to the committee. But it's uh, still the background denial of the story that received the most play by the irresponsible corporate media following Hutchinson's testimony. But, you know, I guess it's left to us. Who should we trust? Should we trust Cassidy Hutchinson publicly and under oath, now along with a metropolitan police officer reportedly under oath, or should we trust Donald Trump, a man with an unblemished record when it comes to telling the truth, (laughs) who has claimed for two years that his election was stolen from him, despite zero evidence, zero evidence to suggest that it was stolen. But that has not prevented his uh, supporters from continuing to make the case that it was. They don't care. Evidence never heard the word. And one of them, an actual election official, now seems to be headed to jail for it. That story is on the uh, is next on the broadcast along with yes, more actual GOP election fraud. Go figure. That's all ahead today on the broadcast and the nothing but green news uh, good news green news report. <laughs> That's all ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the broadcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via brandblog.com slash donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, Thank you. you her how to run baby. Run. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, election official on the lamb. <laughs> So remember that Mesa County, Colorado County clerk, Tita Peters, who snuck into her own Uh, Republican, I should note, MAGA Republican. She snuck into her own secured voting system room in the middle of the night with two other people, one of whom she made a fake ID for to get in. She turned off the security cameras and then allowed that person to make full illegal copies of their Dominion Voting Systems Election Management system software. And then she went on and, and spoke a few weeks later at, uh, crazy My Pillow Guy CEO, Mike Lindell's dumb Stop the Steel Cyber Forum, or whatever it was he called it. And as she was speaking, Tina Peters was speaking on stage, that proprietary software that she had allowed her friend to copy, which controls everything about elections that are carried out on Dominion voting systems. That software was released to the Internet for anyone in the public to download and study and learn how to steal elections in any of the jurisdictions which use Dominion voting systems, for example, like the entire state of Georgia or several large counties in California, which use the very same system, which therefore caused a panic in California because the release of this software unlawful release of the software happened right before last year's failed Republican attempt to recall Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom. Remember that? Remember her? The same Tina Peters who was then ordered by a state judge to not run or get anywhere near this year's elections in Mesa County as she was being investigated by state and local authorities for all of this. She was eventually indicted on seven state felonies and three misdemeanors, but decided to run anyway for even higher office for the Republican nomination to become Colorado's next secretary of state. But then she ended up coming in like fifth or something just a few weeks ago in that in that primary, even losing in her home county of Mesa. Remember her? Well, more crazy Tina Peters news today. According to the Colorado Sun, a judge on Thursday ordered indicted Mesa County clerk Tina Peters to be arrested for violating the conditions of her bond by traveling to Las Vegas this week to speak at a... Well, another MAGA election conspiracy conference without first notifying the court and prosecutors. Mesa County District Court Judge Matthew David Barrett issued a warrant for Peter's arrest and for her to be held in jail pending a hearing. He also revoked her $25,000 cash bond. Separately, by the way, on Monday, Peter's signed a notarized letter to Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold seeking a recount of the Republican primary for Secretary of State, which she lost. But back to the main story here. Mesa County District Attorney Dan Rubenstein had agreed to let Peters travel out of state while she was running for Secretary of State after her attorney said that she needed to do so in order to, as, as part of her bid for higher office. Well... She Her travels in recent months included a trip to Mar-a-Lago in Florida because, you know, you have to do that if you're running for secretary of state in Colorado these days. Uh, Rubenstein filed a motion on Monday asking Barrett, Judge Barrett, to require that any out-of-state travel by Peters be approved, saying that she had less motivation now to appear in court Now that she is no longer a candidate. Additionally, she she has evidenced, he said, through her travel prior to the election that she has the means to flee if she wants to. Remember, she was hiding out for several weeks after all of this first occurred, after the release of her software. She was going from one secret location to another, as authorities in Colorado we're hoping to uh, to question her. She was going from one state to another as sponsored by My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell. So, Judge Barrett agreed to prohibit Peters from traveling out of state without court approval and then she did it anyway. Now, her attorney filed a motion on Thursday uh, taking blame for all of this, saying that it was an oversight on his part. Uh, that that the court was not made aware of Peters traveling to Las Vegas. Don't know if that's true or not. But now all of these folks are apparently turning on each other. In her speech to the group in Las Vegas, which was a conference of a bunch of right-wing so-called constitutional county sheriffs, she discussed her 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 recent campaign and the investigations into her Unlawful activities, committing election related fraud as the county clerk and her apparent dislike of Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. What? What? Yes, I know. Well, she has claimed that Boebert was the one who encouraged her to make digital copies of the voting systems uh, in the first place. And on Tuesday... She claimed that Bobert had uh, met with her, that Bobert's former campaign manager and the unauthorized person who prosecutors contend copied the machines as part of the scheme, th- that uh, a spokesperson for uh, Bobert denied both of these claims that they had met, that she was the one who put her up to this. So a spokesman for Bobert denied both the claims to The New York Times. The Colorado Times recorder first reported Peter's comments uh, in, in Las Vegas about this. During her speech, she angrily denounced Lauren Bobert, who she said had not sufficiently supported her. Quote, do not clap for her. I went up to her, said Peters. I went up to her and I said, Lauren, I need your support. She bristled up and she, when all of this started count, uh, coming down, she says, I support all of my constituents. Peters seethed. Have you heard her say anything about elections or election security? Have you? I'm coming out with the whole truth. Uh-oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, that's what's going on with Tita Peters now. Uh, Mesa County Deputy Clerk Belinda Knisley and the former Mesa County elections manager, Sandra Brown. They have also been charged in this case. Peters uh, says she is innocent of everything and the prosecution against her is politically motivated. She is among a slate of Republican 2020 election deniers who lost their primary bids in Colorado last month, where apparently the Republican Party has not yet in full gone insane. And in yet more GOP election fraud news from GOPers around the country who falsely claim that there was massive fraud in 2020 but can't seem to stop committing it themselves even while running for office in 2022? So much projection. Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin is running for governor in New York against Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul. On his campaign website, it requests that people join, quote, Team Zeldin's Election Integrity Task Force. Quote, Our team will be working around the clock now and into November to ensure we have fair elections, but we can't do it alone, the campaign website states. In December of 2020, Zeldin tweeted, quote, Ballot integrity. This is December of 2020. So just after the election, quote, ballot integrity always matters, regardless of the circumstances and regardless of whether the issue impacts one vote or thousands of votes. He recommended a series of changes, including, quote, signature verification with campaigns able to participate His comments came as then-President Donald Trump was contesting the results of the election. Zeldin subsequently voted against certifying the results of the presidential election, despite all lack of fraud in the 2020 election. Zeldin said just last month, I'm honored to stand shoulder to shoulder with the leaders across our state who stood up for election integrity and the rule of law to put an end to it. I guess to put an end to election fraud, not election integrity. Well, now, I guess you can see where this story may be going. But last month, recall a few weeks back, I think it was last month, we reported on the massive election petition signature fraud scandal that resulted in five of Michigan's ten Republicans running for the Republican gubernatorial nomination. Uh, Five of the ten of them were struck from the ballot. Remember that? Oh, yes. Including the two top front runners for uh, for the nomination uh, due to this, because of tens of thousands of fraudulent forged signatures that they turned in in hopes of trying to qualify for the ballot. Well, guess what's happened to the Republicans nominee for governor in New York state? It's not just the Republican governor nominees in Michigan. It's also the Republican governor nominees in New York. So, in New York, they allow candidates to run on several different lines on the ballot at the same time. So, Kathy Hochul, Governor Kathy Hochul, the Democrat, she may be listed as the Democratic candidate. Uh, She will be listed as the Democratic candidate. Uh, She uh, won her her, uh, primary just a few weeks ago. But she's also going to appear on the ballot in the same race on the New York Working Families Party line. So she'll be listed twice there. It's weird, I know, but that's what New York does. Well, thanks to thousands of fraudulent signatures, Lee Zeldin's hopes of appearing on another party's ballot line has apparently now been scuttled uh, by the State Board of Elections after he did win the GOP nomination last month. So he will appear on the ballot for that, but he won't appear on the state's independent party ballot line. Apparently, Zeldin is unlikely to appear on that line after the State Board of Elections invalidated 13,000 signatures that were included in his petitions. 13,000. Zeldin's campaign submitted well above the 45,000 signatures that are needed to get his name on the third-party line, but the disqualified signatures left him well short Following the board's ruling now in Michigan, when this happened, all Michigan claimed, oh, it's the Democrats on the board of elections who who were out to get us. But here, Zeldin's uh, petitions were challenged by officials with New York's Libertarian Party, who not only contested the signatures were invalid, but also noted that about 11,000 of them appeared to be photocopied duplicates. Really? (laughs) 11,000. They
1: didn't even try that hard.
0: Andrew Colstey, the secretary of the Libertarian Party, said in a news release on Thursday, quote, Republicans talk a lot about election integrity, but the Zeldin campaign attempted to fly under the radar and submit over 11,000 fraudulent signatures in an attempt to get a third line on the ballot. In addition to being on the Republican line, uh, Zeldin is also going to appear on the conservative party line. So he was hoping to get on the ballot three times on the independent party line. Colsty claimed that the Libertarian Party officials and the campaign of Diane Sayre for U.S. Senate found 900 sheets with 11,000 signatures that were photocopies of the original sheets filed by the campaign. A spokesman for Zeldin's campaign uh, said that if there was any error, it was due to the workload handled by their volunteers. Yes, blame the volunteers, throw them under the bus, who accidentally, I guess, Xeroxed hundreds of pages from totally different signature campaigns or something. Because, you know, personal responsibility, as Republicans used to pretend to believe in. Being nearly uh, the uh, uh, spokesman for um, Zeldin's campaign said being nearly an entirely grassroots effort, we haven't reviewed all of the petitions nor the specific objections associated with them,
1: even though we signed our names to it and said it was valid.
0: In the final few days leading up to the filing deadline, tens of thousands of signatures from all over the state had to be immediately turned in to the Board of Election. Well, it's not like they suddenly announced, "Okay, the deadline is tomorrow.
1: Surprise." They
0: didn't. They they knew that when the yeah, uh, a judge uh, could uh, potentially overrule the uh, state board of elections decision that would leave Zeldin with an outside shot of still appearing on the independent party line, Uh, But for now, it's not looking good. Uh, The board ruled that uh, just under 13,000 signatures were invalid. Democratic Party Chair Jay Jacobs said in a statement, Zeldin submitting 11,000 fake signatures just emphasizes his hypocrisy and proves he is willing to sell New Yorkers another big lie to benefit his failing campaign. He said, noting Zeldin's backing of Trump's election fraud concerns in the 2020 election. Other candidates who were also invalidated that sought to run on the Independent Party line Zeldin was not the only one. Also, Zeldin's running mate, Republican nominee for Lieutenant Governor Allison Esposito, was disqualified for fraudulent signatures, as well as the Republican candidates for Comptroller Paul Rodriguez. He was disqualified for fraudulent signatures. Attorney, Republican Attorney General candidate Michael Henry was disqualified for fraudulent signatures. And U.S. Senate candidate Joe Pinion. All Republicans disqualified for turning in fraudulent signatures to get onto the ballot.
1: I'm detecting a pattern here.
0: Remember when Republicans uh, used to be outraged, outraged that, uh, you know, when they found an employee for Acorn had faked some voter registrations uh, back in the day, voter registrations of, of, of phony voters who never cast any votes at all? who never cast a single fraudulent vote through one of those ACORN uh, workers who had submitted fraudulently, who had defrauded ACORN itself by turning in those. They were outraged by it. John McCain, the presidential candidate at the time, said that this sort of thing tears at the very fabric of our democracy. Well, so much for the fabric of our democracy at least when it comes to Republicans, and their constant election fraud in state after state after state. It's unbelievable. If you're actually looking for massive election fraud Republicans, all you got to do is keep finding mirrors. Green News Report is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Once again, repeating our top story today, Democratic Senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, is a lying liar who never had any intention of... Uh, enacting any environmental initiatives at all that would hurt fossil fuel in any way, shape, or form because he's corrupted by the fossil fuel companies and his family makes billions, millions at least, of dollars from the coal industry.
1: Yes, and I did want to add just yes. a little bit. Yes. Um, so, so just to keep in mind where we stand, the passage of the infrastructure law will help the U.S. meet some of its climate goals. He
0: allowed that to pass. He did
1: allow that to pass. Of course, that doesn't reduce the deficit, and was not paid for um, Now the Build Back Better package Even though he's
0: so concerned about the deficit And uh, inflation, inflation and, and everything else yes. Yeah it
1: actually would The Build Back Better plan would have helped with inflation yep. A lot yep. and it would have gotten us About two thirds of the way of between uh, Of where we need to be Between now and 2030 That the infrastructure law doesn't cover executive action by Biden. He has promised that he will do that in a new statement today. In
0: in lieu of Manchin agreeing to go along with any of this. Correct. Yeah. So,
1: um, But the sad thing is that it is very unlikely that the U.S. will be able to reach those climate goals unless... Democrats hold both the House and the Senate in the November midterm elections and add at least two more seats yes. in order to strip Republicans and Manchin and Cinema of their veto power. away
0: the power from Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema and right. all 50 Republicans. So
1: there's still a chance. It's not over yet, but that's where the roadmap is. That's
0: where it will see if it is or isn't. That said, let's get to it. Uh, recorded prior to the Joe Manchin news, our latest Green News. Report:
1: We do see water shortage, we see severe agricultural impacts, we see very severe ecosystem impacts with the risk of of, uh, extinction of, of native species and so on. Spain and Portugal hit with driest climate in more than a thousand years. Yes, summers are getting hotter, longer and more dangerous in the United States. Plus, this is extremely bad news. Deforestation in the Amazon rainforest hits new all-time record
0: high. All of that extremely bad news, and maybe even worse, all straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman.
1: And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand
0: by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Wait, wait, what? The Supreme Court ruled that the Environmental Protection Agency does not have the authority... To protect the environment? So what is their job now? <laughs> He's going to look at the environment and be like, oh, shit!" <laughs> All right, that was a good day at work. You guys want to get some drinks? That's about it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I guess this is what suffices for some good news today. Yes, global crude oil prices have fallen over
1: the last month, and U.S. retail gas prices are finally reflecting it. Mm. AAA reports that retail gas prices, the primary contributor to inflation, have fallen across the country after the July 4th holiday. The national average has dropped 34 cents in just the last month. But don't worry, ExxonMobil is still on track to post more. Than $18 billion in pure profit just from April, May, and June. Wow, alone. that's
0: good news. They're continuing their record profits off the back of, well, American consumers and consumers across the world. Nice yeah. going, Exxon.
1: And- and since Republicans falsely blame President Biden for high gas prices, surely now they will credit Biden for the drop.
0: Oh, I'm sure they will.
1: Meanwhile, the climate crisis that is caused by burning fossil fuels continues. Dangerous heat waves are engulfing parts of China, U.S., and Europe this week with hundreds of cities hitting record or near-record triple-digit high temperatures, which is especially dangerous and deadly in regions that don't have widespread air conditioning. Globally, heat waves related deaths have quadrupled since 1990. Wow. And yes, here in the U.S., summers are becoming hotter, longer, and more dangerous. That's according to a new analysis by the nonprofit research group Climate Central. Heat waves are arriving earlier in the year and are more frequent and more intense. In more than half of the cities analyzed, extreme heat days now arrive at least a week earlier on average than in the 1970s. In 2021, the western U.S. was four degrees hotter than it was in the 1970s. In Reno, Nevada, Summer temperatures have risen 11 degrees Fahrenheit on average since 1970. Man-made global warming is to blame, but also urban sprawl, which has expanded heat-absorbing asphalt. All of that heat energy also increases extreme weather disasters like droughts, hurricanes, and wildfires.
0: Well, I think this summer we don't have to convince anyone uh, about how terrible it's getting. It has been so hot across so much of the country, maybe The upside, people are beginning to understand the consequences of their actions. In
1: Europe, a new study finds that Spain and Portugal are seeing their driest climate in at least 1,200 years. The researchers say that a weather pattern that blocks storm fronts, known as the Azor High, has tripled since 1980 because of man-made climate change. The historic drought has severe long-term implications for food production, tourism, and potentially even worse. That's according to climate researcher Carl Friedrich Schlusner on DW News. We see fundamental shifts in the climatic conditions as a result of uh, global climate change. In this regional context, it means if we don't uh, manage to um, prevent the worst impacts of climate change, they might turn into deserts. They might turn into deserts. Well,
0: at this point... Maybe we deserve it.
1: In other news, deforestation of the Amazon rainforest in Brazil has hit a new record high, according to the Brazilian Space Agency. Satellite images taken between January and June show 1,500 square miles of forest has been destroyed in the last six months. Deforestation has surged under the right-wing administration of Jair Bolsonaro. And this matters because climate scientists say preserving the Amazon rainforest is crucial for combating the climate. Yeah,
0: in fact, the Amazon rainforest used to decrease carbon in the atmosphere for the first time, I believe. Last year, the Amazon emitted more carbon dioxide than it absorbed.
1: Yep. And finally, a bit of good news. Thank you. In California, Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom has signed the nation's most sweeping law to phase out single-use plastics and packaging waste from polystyrene and other plastics that eventually degrade into tiny, toxic particles that pollute the environment and are increasingly found in human blood, tissue, and organs. The law also shifts the economic burden of waste disposal to plastic producers and packagers.
0: Well... That is good news, but as promised, everything else, pretty bad. Yeah. For much more on all of these terrible stories and more, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Bad to the bone seems like everything is bad news these days. Sorry about that.
1: It does. But, hey, at least there's, you know, some movement on plastic pollution in California. Sure. That's a thing.
0: That's good. That's worth the whole hour waiting for. (laughs) Thank you, Desi and our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's uh, Nothing But Good News program, you can download it or any other anytime for free at bradblog.com. Uh, all of that is made possible by you good people who are kind enough, generous enough to stop by brandblog.com slash donate to make a one time donation or sign up for a monthly automated subscription of any amount you like to help Desi and I stay on the airwaves to help uh, bring you the bad news. But with a smile. <laughs> You can drop me an email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I'm here to tell you, honey. That I'm bad to the phone.